Recording in progress. Okay, Shalom Avracha from Yerushalayim. Some of you I had the privilege of seeing in person last week. An incredible, incredible trip, Mamish. Thank you to those even who are on the call who helped arrange and make that possible. Something that I'll remember for a very long time and still trying to process, catching up on sleep a little bit also. So uh, as always, if I fall asleep, you'll wake me up, I hope. Um, okay, so let's jump into it. I believe this is our 34th shear in Sicha Saran, 34th shear already. What a privilege. What a schus. We have a, a tremendous, tremendous shear tonight or today, depending on where you are. Um, so we're going to learn two teachings, uh, actually three teachings from the Rebbe, and we're going to learn some very, very interesting parenthetic Torahs um, from some of the other tzaddikim from the Poiskim Mukubalim on some very interesting ideas that uh, I actually learned about just in the context of researching for the shir. So I'm looking forward to sharing these ideas with you, going through these sugyas together, and I think it's going to be a to'elis. Okay, so give me one more second, just trying to set this up. And we're going to jump in. Okay, so we're looking at Lakutumran um, 44, Mem Dalid. And the Rebbe is basically continuing, even though we just said in the very beginning that there doesn't seem to be any sort of rhyme or reason in terms of why Sichas Ran is set up the way it is, but there are some pieces where you can draw a connection between the previous pieces and uh, the pieces to come. And so here we're learning in this particular teaching about a person's name. This is not the main teaching in Sicha Saran about the importance of a Jewish name. We're going to learn a very fundamental teaching a little bit later. And we've talked a little bit about what a name is also. But this is connected, if you remember, I think it was the previous teaching in Tzichas Ramim Gimel spoke about how if a person is sad or depressed, a person won't remember their name. And remember we talked about how the name encapsulates the very essence and the mission of a person. And a person who's depressed, what's depression? We said, means hopelessness. It's not brokenheartedness. Brokenheartedness, what we said, is a very positive thing. Depression means to say that a person has completely lost touch with their mission. They feel like there's no hope at all. Such a person is going to have a difficult time remembering their name. What's their name? Is their mission means to say they were put in this world for a purpose. That's what we had learned in the context of Mem Gimel. I think it was Mem Gimel, either Mem Bez or Mem Gimel. So here we continue to talk about the importance of a person's name and we're going to learn a little bit of a different interpretation as to why it may be that those that go up to Shemayim, we sort of mentioned it already, but we're going to learn more about it now, are asked whether they remember their name and if not, it's a terrible thing. We're going to learn about that from the Ariya Kadosh. Okay, so let's begin with the teaching from the Tzadik, Shusia Ganeleinu, a privilege to learn these words with you, Hashem shel Adam, says Rabbi Nachman, regarding the name of a person. Hashem hu gadol ma'oid. The name of a person is a very, very important and great thing. V'dibar harbi And he spoke about this a lot. The importance of a person's name. So before we even get into the meat of this, uh, you know, of this particular teaching, take a look at the first note. Note number one from Ashar Gogulim from the Arizal. This is a famous teaching, but it's important to see it inside. And the Ariyah Kadosh says here, Vinimsa, he says it, it emerges. When a person is born, and the mother and father decide on a name. And it could be something that just last minute sometimes it happens, a name pops into their minds, or they had been discussing a few options for many months, but they decide on a specific name. 
Says the Arizal, you should know that such a thing that's going to actually have an impact on the very essence of that individual, it cannot be by a cry. It can't just be like, you know, circumstantial or it just happens to be that this is what they chose the name to be. God himself implants the name of this child within the mouths of the parents, which is completely and entirely unique and specific to this particular soul. Like the Pasuk says, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has placed devastation on the world. And the beginning of the Pasuk says, Come see the wonders of God, that he placed devastation on the earth. And Chazal say, Don't read that God has placed devastation on the earth, but rather read that word shamos, which means to destroy, as shamos. And that's one of the wonders of God, that He enables us to somehow be mechavin and somehow align our own opinion on what the name should be with the objective truth that is reflected within this particular soul. An amazing thing. As the person is aligned in the upper world, and that soul's particular spiritual source, a lot of different souls come from a lot of different places. There are so many different spiritual sources above and the different shvatim and the different stages of creation. And the neshamas de toyu, and neshamas of tikkun, and neshamas of malchus, and neshamas, all different kinds of souls coming from different places. But the parents are able to be mechavin when they give a name to the true nature of this soul that aligns with the place that the soul came from. That name gets etched into the Kisya Kavod and that is the source of that individual soul. We find many times in Chazal, sometimes you find that a certain individual did something and the thing that they did aligned with the meaning of their name. And Chazal have an expression, Shmak Hagarim. It was actually their name that compelled them to take this action because we find that the name of a person is absolutely aligned with the nature of the individual. So I didn't bring it over here because it's a lengthy piece, but I do want to speak a little bit more contextually. This parak in, in Shar Gulgulim is actually speaking about a concept of Chibot HaKever. It's a great deal of discussion, Rishonim, Achreinim, Chazal. There's something even, I think from, from the, maybe the, the period of the Ga'ina, maybe even earlier, that, uh, that's called Masechas Chibat HaKever. Just a description, Kabbalistically, as to what happens to the body in the, uh, in the grave. And a certain kind of tikkun and rectification process that the body goes through in order to cleanse it so that the soul can then be able to access all of the rewards, whatever that is, right, for all of the mitzvahs that the person has done in this world and to cleanse the body from any averus that may have been, uh, that may have been, Transgressed, And so this concept is called Chibot HaKever. And Arizal, in this parak in Shara Gugulim, speaking about Chibot HaKever, basically says that each and every individual is born into this world with a shame, with a name, Dikidusha, from the side of holiness. And that's the name that we're speaking about here that the parents give by the bris, by the, by the Kiddush, right? Or when they announce the name of the, of the baby girl, of the baby boy, that's the name of Kedusha. And that name, like we learned, encompasses the entire mission of that soul, encompasses all the spiritual powers of that neshama. But the, but, the, but the child that's born into the world, we know that we have a Yetzir Tov, that's our essence, but also a Yetzir Hara. 
right? There's the chilek, there's the portion of the chivya, of the snake, of the serpent, that also comes along with us being created in this world. Actually, that's the first thing that manifests, and we learn, we learn and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, uh, and Chazal tell us that the neshama, which, the, which is the inyan of, of the Yetzir Tov, only manifests 13 years later by the Bar Mitzvah. But the Yetzir gets a strong footing, Lepesach Chatas Revitz, right in the beginning. The Yetzir the chilek, the portion of the snake, that counterpart to Kedusha, to holiness within us, is very present. And Arizal says that also has a name that's unique to each individual. A specific kind of compulsion toward particular behaviors, particular negative propensities, things that we struggle with by nature. Things that are built into us, negative traits, negative midos, that of course again are rooted in the parallel. They're not really us. They're rooted in the parallel to Kedusha that we see as being part of us because originally the snake was completely external. External to Adam Arishon, like the Nevshachaim says in the beginning, in Parak Al, in Shar Aleph, rather, Parak Vav Zion, somewhere, I think, the Nachash was outside. The eating of the Eitz Hadas Tovara doesn't just mean the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We say this many times. I bring it in the, in the, the first uh, chapter of, of the story of our lives. It doesn't just mean the knowledge of good and evil. The word Das could mean knowledge, but it could also mean to bind, intimacy. It means to say that there became an interchange between good and evil. And so the snake went from being a decidedly external force that was much easier to contend with, even though it was very seductive and it was very persuasive, but you were still able to realize that's not me, that's not what I want. And then after the eating of the Eitz Hadas Tovera, good and evil mixed, and the Nachosh became part and parcel of us to the point that it's very, very difficult to live life with the clarity that I am not that. Even though there's a part of me that wants that, but that's not really the real me. Al-Kopanim. That part of our identity comes down with a name as well. And again, the name represents the specificity of all of that particular neshama's proclivity and propensity toward negative behaviors, negative traits, averos that are specifically drawing that particular neshama. The Arizal says, and again, this is a little bit of a different interpretation. We had learned in the, in the context of, I think it's Mem Gimel. I don't have my sikhs around laying around here. It's over there. But, but, uh, but, but I think that we had learned that Rabbi Nachman said when the soul goes up to Shemayim, I think it's a, it's a Tanad Baliyo or it's a, something, some Chazal somewhere, a Medrash, that says that the first thing they ask, they ask, do you remember your name? The way we had interpreted it, this idea and this chazal in the context of Rabbi Nachman's teaching was, do you remember your mission, right? Do you remember your name, meaning the name of Kedusha? And we had learned, like Rabbi Nachman said, that when a person is ba'atzvus, when a person falls into the depression, like we mentioned, which is hopelessness, he forgets his name. And we had learned that that was referring to the name of holiness, to the name of Kedusha. But that Rizal says something else. That Rizal says that what they're asking us is, do you know the name of whom? Of the Yetzirah. And Arizal explains that those people that are living conscious lives, that are aware that life is a mission, that there's a purpose to this life, and that there's something that transcends the mundane, the daily responsibilities, there's something bigger that we're supposed to be focused on essentially, and that all the other worries and all the other things we're involved with fall into a decidedly secondary category when held up to the truth of what we're supposed to be striving for and what we're supposed to be accomplishing in this lifetime. He says, people who are living life like that, Sadiqim, that are living life with a focus, 
It's the, it's the first piece of information that's at the tip of their tongue when you ask them, do you know the Yitzhahara's name? Meaning to say, are you aware of those things you need to overcome? Are you aware of those things you struggle with, challenges, that they've worked every minute of every day of their entire lives on trying to eradicate this particular portion within them? So by them, they remember their name. And therefore, they're spared, says that result, from Chibot HaKever, because that means to say, whatever, whatever they transgress, they've already done the tikkun, they've already done the cleansing. But can you imagine a person goes up after 120 and they ask us, do you know the name? Meaning to say, is this something you focused on? And we don't know the name of the Sahara, and we're not able to clearly describe or portray that being that we've grappled with, that we fought with, and those things that we felt bad about, and those things that we tried to overcome, and those strategies that we, te- we took based on our awareness of what the Yitzhahara was. A person like that says, that reason right away, the Satan comes, sits on the caver, and, uh, you know, I'll spare you the, the, the description of what, of what goes on. You know, again, is it metaphoric? Is it literal? Whatever. But uh, there's discussion about that. But Al-Kapanim, that is, that's the procedure based on that result. So now that we know this, now that we know this, let's take, let's go back into Sichas Ran Memdalid and let's read the next line. So the first thing is we have to know again that the name of the individual is very great and that Rizal says that the name that's associated with the Neshama encapsulates the entire mission of the person and is literal Ruach HaKodesh on the part of the parents. There's no such thing as giving the wrong name. There's no such thing. It's Mamish Ruach HaKodesh. Okay? I don't know how that's going to align with Rav Chaim Kanievsky's, uh, you know, he's not so happy with certain names. I don't know. But, but the Arizal says that it's Mamish Ruach HaKodesh. Mamish. That parents get. It's a very special moment when you decide on the name and it's clear and it clicks and you're happy with it. Maybe even there was contention and discussion. But at the end of the day, you give the name, parents have to make peace with it. That's the name that's given. That aligns Mamish with the true spiritual essence of that Nishama. That's a very, very deep thing. Says Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman spoke about this a great deal. Of course, Rabbi Nachman was so attuned to his own name, right? That Nachman, what Nachman is, and in in certain Breslover works, there are many, many, many chapters explaining the secrets of Rabbi Nachman's name and Gematria and the letters. I spoke a little bit about the dinner in Lakewood. I mentioned the Rem is also a Nachman, right? Moach, Nun, Nun, as Nefesh, and Neshama I spoke about. That Ibn Ahmed the Tzaddik is the Ruach that brings these two elements together, Shemayim and Aretz. There are so many gematrias, there are so many Ramazim. Ibn Ahmed said again, There's a flowing stream, the source of wisdom, which is, of course, Rashi Tevos, Nachman, right? So Ibn Ahmed was very, very attuned to names. Of course, Ibn Ahmed gave that world famous Remez with regard to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that he said that Yochai is Sofetevis. Um, um, Rabbi Nachman was busy with this, right? Names and where names are found. So he said that Gam Rabbi Nachman would also speak about Have you ever looked at the very end of Shemana Esrei? Sometimes in certain Sidurim, they'll send you to a page, you know, 371, whatever, in the, in the, in the back of the Art Scroll Sidurim, whatever page it is. And if you look over there, they have a whole list of verses, a whole list of Psukim, based on all the different Aleph Beis, right? 
So the, the, a name that starts with Aleph and ends with Aleph has a certain Pasuk. A name that starts with Aleph and ends with a base has a certain Pasuk. And all the letters, all the possible combinations of the Aleph base are associated with certain Psukim. And it's a minhag to go ahead and to say those Psukim at the end of Shemana Esrei. So Rabbi Nachman spoke about this, how it's very, very important to try to find what your name is. If you have two names, a lot of people, they only say the first name. The second name is just as important. Find the Pasuk for the second name. I'm guilty as charged. I only go by Yaakov. I have a certain cheshbon with it. At one point in my life, hopefully, I'll get to Yaakov Shalom. But, um, but, but that's a very, very important thing to try to find those psukim and say it by the, the Yuluratzen. So before going further, I want to go into this Indian a little bit. It, cor- it correlates and aligns with what we learned from the Arizal with regard to Chibat HaKever and knowing the name of the Yitzhahara. Take a look at uh, the second source in the Elia Rabbah and Arachayim. And the Elia Rabbah says, Kasav Beis Yosef, he brings from the Beis Yosef, that Toiv Loimar Pasuk Echad Menatayra, it is a good thing, it's a good minog, to say a verse from the Torah, Eme Nevi'im, Eme Ksuvim, or from the prophets, from the Nevi'im, or the Ksuvim, the writings, Koidim Shiyarma Yularatzayin, before you say Yularatzayin and take your three steps back, Hamascha Bishmai, Visayim Bishmai, that begins with your name, and ends with your name. Says the Kafachayim, the Kafachayim brings El Yarabah, and he adds, the Kach Kasav B'Siddur Nehoira HaShalim, and it's, ro- it's brought also in the Siddur Nehoira HaShalim, Sgula, Shalo Yishkach Shmoi Liyoyim Hadin. It's a Sgula that you won't forget your name. Liyoyim Hadin for the Yoyim Hadin, like we mentioned before, that they ask you what your name is. So we said from that Rizal a different interpretation, that it's referring to the name of the Yitzhahara, right? So that's something a little bit different, right? But over here, he's saying that it talks about the name that relates to the holy purpose and the holy mission for which we're sent down to this world. It'll be easy to remember the name if you'll knock into yourself, and I'll knock into myself this special pasuk or these special psukim. Uh, uh, you know, depending on how many names we have, Adkan Devarav, Ayin Kitzur Shla, and he says it's also brought in the Sefer Kitzur Shla Ois Hakuf Be'Inyan Gehenim that it saves from the Indian of Gehenim over there. Va'Oid Ayin Berashi Michal Pasuk Kol Hashem Liir Yikare that there's a pasuk in Micha that says that the voice of Hakadosh Baruch Hu calls out to the city, saying you should remember your names. And Rashi brings there Mikan Shekol Misha Oim Berbachol Yoy Mikra Hamaschilu Masayim Kamoisha Maschilu Anybody who will recite every day a, a particular verse, a particular pasuk that starts and ends with the letters with which his or her name begins and ends, says Rashi, such a person is saved from Gehenna. Such an easy thing just to say this, to make sure you don't take three steps back in Shemana Esrei before saying this special Pasuk or this special series of Psukim. There are those that say that Rashi didn't actually write this and that it was added in afterwards based on this Pasuk. I don't know exactly what the proof of that is, maybe because there were no sources in Rashi's time that already spoke about this Indian. It was much later on. But al Kalpanim we find, and there are many other Ramazim given as to why this is an important thing, but it's beca- it became universal. Everybody does this. Chabad, Breslov, Hasidim, Mesnagdim. Everybody is, uh, has adapted this minug, and so that's a very special thing. And you see over here that Rabbi Nachman stressed it as well. So if you don't know yet what your psukim are, mine particularly are Yancha Hashem B'yam Tzara, Yisak Ve'u Shem and Shemar Tam Yashar If you don't know what they are, there are some certain siddurim that don't have it, but in many siddurim, 
more modern prints, you can, you can turn to the back and you'll find that section that has all the list of your names uh, of the psukim and you can find the pasuk that fits your name. So that's a very, very special thing to have. Also to have a pasuk, you know, that's your pasuk. And even in the pasuk, if in our own names we couldn't discern the depth and what we are and what our essence is based on just the name, the pasuk makes it a little bit easier. And so that's very, very deep. If you want to know a lot about yourself, I can speak personally. My whole essence is, these, is in these two psukim with all my struggles and all my... Uh, my whole history, you know, Mamish, I go back and back and back to these psukim. So that's a very interesting thing. A lot of people are into horoscopes. This is something that's beautiful, you know, Kedusha, to really go into this Pasuk and, 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 and meditate on it. It's very, very deep. So that's what Rabbi Nachman says. And Rabbi Nachman said, that Rabbi Nachman himself knew he was able to show the names of all of those that were surrounding him, meaning all of the Hasidim, where their particular souls were rooted in the Torah. Not just in generic psukim, right? That those psukim just work for everyone. So no matter, you know, it could be many, many different names. As long as it starts with a mem and it ends with a mem, it's the same pasuk. Rabbi Nachman was able to know particular names based on the essence of the souls of those who were close with him. And more than any of the other chasidim, Rabbi Nachman said, I can tell you where Rabbi Shimon, we'll talk about Rabbi Shimon in a minute, where Rabbi Shimon is rooted. And Rabbi Nachman said, I'm sorry, uh, uh, right, Mir spoke a lot about the soul of Reb Shimon, and he said that Shimon, the name Shimon, Hitzeruf is a is a is a conjugation between the words Avoin Mush, which means removed from sin. Mush means to be removed, like Loya Mushu, not well, won't be removed. And Avon is sin. Avon Mush. When you put those two words together, it's the it's the name Shimon. He didn't want to explain it. Rabbi Nachman said that this, uh, you know, conjugation of words, Avon Mash, This is the essence of Reb Shimon. Not such a bad, not such a bad, uh, you know, combination of words to, to, you know, to sort of sum up your essence. Avon Mash. That was Reb Shimon. And Reb Nassim says, Reb Shimon. This Reb Shimon, Right, that this Reb Shimon was one of Rabbi Nachman's close Talmidim. Just a word on Reb Shimon quickly. Rabbi Nachman began his Hasidus at the ripe young age of 13 years old, actually at his wedding, which was also his bar mitzvah, believe it or not. So it was a very big day for Rabbi Nachman. Okay, he got married, he had his bar mitzvah, and at the wedding itself, all of a sudden, nobody could find him. And he wandered off on his own. What was he doing? He started to speak with the young children that were his age. And, um, you know, it wasn't like today. Like today, people have the opportunity a little bit, the, the privilege of being children. Back then, it, there was no such thing. You were an adult already at 13 years old. You were working. You had responsibilities. It was something else. They were much, much deeper, much more mature, much more advanced. Rabbi Nachman took this group of Hevra out to the field, and he started to speak with them in, a very, in what seemed to be just a very generic, you know, just conversational, without anything earth-shattering. And in the context of conversation, he started to speak about this worldly pleasures. And he started to feel around a bit to see, where are these chevra holding? Are they interested in this or they're not interested in it at all? And he began to speak specifically to this Reb Shimon. I don't know exactly what the difference in age was between them. It's likely that Reb Shimon was older, maybe even way older. I don't know. Like there are certain others of Aaron, the Rav of Breslov. There were certain Hasidim who were decades older than Rabbi Nachman, who were first Hasidim of other Rebbes and then came and drew themselves toward Rabbi Nachman. And so I don't know this Reb Shimon, how old he was at the time. It would appear that he was young also because he's called Mibnei Hanurim. 
the youngsters. And Reb Shimon made it clear to Rabbi Nachman that he had no interest in this world at all. No interest. Rabbi Nachman started probing him, really? Like, what does that mean? You, you have no taiva, you have no connection, that's not what you want. And he said, my main thing, he said to Rabbi Nachman, is tmimus upshitas. I just want, I want to live a simple life. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to really and accurately carry out my mission in this world. And that's how Rabbi Nachman's chasidah started. Rabbi Nachman said, good, let me reveal to you some advice as to how we can accomplish this together. And that was the beginning. So Rabbi Shimon was with the Rebbe all the way from the very, very beginning. He was a phenomenal, incredible tzaddik who became Rabbi Nachman's gabai. And... It's brought in the Sfarim that Reb Shimon actually was a tremendous Baal Machadish as well. He wasn't just one of the Talmidim who was receiving, he was always writing his Chidushim. And one time Reb Nassim came across a collection of the Chidushim of the novel Torah thoughts that, uh, that Reb Shimon had compiled and he wanted to print them. Reb Nassim wanted to print everything you found laying around. Reb Nassim would print, you know, <laughs> he wanted to print everything, you know. So he saw this group of Chidushim, he grabbed them and he brought them to the printing press. And Reb Shimon followed him quietly, didn't say anything. He waited until Reb Nassim got the Distracted, he grabbed the papers and threw them into the fire. This was Rav Shimon. He wanted mamish, nothing should be printed from him, nothing should be. He was exceedingly humble, exceedingly pious, exceedingly, exceedingly tar of a Kaddish. And one thing that Rav Shimon constantly, constantly was asking from Rav Nachman his whole life was that in the same way that he was the Gabai of Rav Nachman in this world, he asked that he should be able to be Misharis Rav Nachman in the next world as well. Rav Nachman would never let him. He would, he would always just you know, divert the conversation to something else. He would never give him that promise because you can imagine what kind of lofty, incredibly elevated thing it is to be the Misharis of Rav Nachman in the next world. I mean, it's, it's you know, unbelievably exalted. And he would never give it to him. And one time, they were traveling along together, Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Shimon, maybe some of the other Hasidim, and the wagon picked up a little bit too much speed and came careening around the corner. And the wagon was about to tip over, and Rabbi Shimon jumped out, and he held up the wagon, literally saved the Rebbe's life. And the first thing that popped into his head was, he said, okay, now can I be your Mashari's in the next world? And Rabbi Nachman said, even that's not enough. Even that's not enough. Until... The mother of Rabbi Nachman, Fega, Rabbi Tzim Fega, Maras Fega, the prophetess, Fega, intervened on his behalf and said, let him, let him. And Rabbi Nachman was forced to allow him also, and he promised him that he would also serve Rabbi Nachman in the world to come as well. He would be his Gabbai. And so there are those that go very much to Rabbi Shimon's caver because they, uh, they, they feel that Rabbi Shimon is, has a direct line to the Rebbe. So if you can't make it to Uman, you go to Rabbi Shimon, and, at, at Rabbi Shimon's caver, and in that way, he's the Misharis of the Rebbe. You have a direct connection. So this Rabbi Shimon was a very interesting individual, and that's who he's referring to over here, whose Tseref was Avon Mash, completely and entirely removed from sin entirely. Rabbi Nachman continued, and he said, Va'amar Sha'al Titeh, that a person shouldn't make the mistake of thinking, if you had the good fortune of Rabbi Nachman telling you exactly where in the Torah your sole source was, that means, okay, so then there are a billion shimons in the world. Maybe the, all of them are Avon Mash. Okay, one particular shimon we have on the call, maybe Taka. <laughs> but that all the other shimons, not Lav Davka, they're, they're also Avon Mash. Or that whatever your Sharish Hashem is, that anybody else has the same name, he says it's not true. He says, he says, not true, right? Don't say that. 
from what he said, we understood every individual, no matter who you are, no matter how many billions of Yaakovs there were, maybe Yaakov Klein's like the most Jewish name in the world. You know, it's like the Jewish John Doe, Yaakov Klein, like it doesn't get more. How many Yaakov Klein's were there in the world? Who knows? But, but I'm unique. And all of them were unique. And all of us are unique. No matter how many of our names there were, there was nobody like us with our particular mission, our particular circumstances. Each of us, like we're an olam male, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects something from us, expects something from us in a unique way, in a beautifully unique way. And so Rabbi Nachman was trying to tell them, don't think that just because I told you where you're rooted, that means that every other Shimon or any other person is also in the same place. No, they have their own root. Every Jew has their own root in their own unique place. Every person in accordance with who they are, they have their place where they're rooted. Rabbi Nachman understood all of this very, very deeply. To him it was clear what every person's message was. And we're going to learn that Rabbi Nachman would give each person personal directives. There were certain things, as we're going to learn later on in Sikh Hasran Be'ezra Hashem, we should be zeichah to get there and to finish the Sefer together, to complete the journey that we started, and then realize that we're only just beginning. But over there in Sikh Hasran, it tells us that Rabbi Nachman had certain things that were universal, his spodidus, learning halacha, Mikvah. There were certain things that were universal, but then Hasidim would come to him and he would write down on a piece of paper specific things that they needed to do, specific amounts of Mishnaya, specific Kapitalach and Tehillim to say. Very unique for each individual. Rabbi Nachman was a fierce individualist, fierce individualist, and he wanted each and every one of us to respect our individuality and to understand that it's specifically utilizing our unique circumstances that we can nullify ourselves to the general collective mission and reveal HaKadosh Baruch was like to the world in a way that only we can do so for the purpose of the grand mosaic of the Jewish nation. That was what Rabbi Nachman wanted from us. He wanted to preserve our individuality very, very strongly. And so Rabbi Nachman understood and he knew what each and every chassid needed and where they were rooted, but it's not just the Hasidim of that time, it's you and me also. Rabbi Nachman knows what we need. There's a special siyat HaDashmaya when you're learning the Torahs of the Tzaddik. Each of our souls are drawn to particular elements within Breslov, particular teachings, particular directives, etzahs that speak to us, chizik that speaks to us. The Tzaddik in Samachva, in Samach uh, Hey, is referred to as the, as the, uh, the Baal Sadeh, right? The master of the field. And the field is the place where all the neshamas are growing. It's Malchus, Chak al and Kadishin, the field of the holy apples, where all the souls of the Jewish nation are rooted. And the tzaddik is called the Baal Sadeh, right? He's the gardener. He understands what each and every plant needs. And so, Rabbi Nachman understood the, the Shoresh Nishmas Yisrael, the source for all of our souls. And Amar, once he's on the topic, Rabbi Nachman announced and said, This whole concept of Tzerufei Oisius, of taking letters and putting them together and to making, making something else, that's a huge deal. That's a very, very holy thing when we're able to do that. Rosh HaTevis, Seif HaTevis, Tzerufei Tevis, like we learned, taking different words, putting them together to compile one word that's different is a very, very big thing. Amar and Rabbi Nachman said, Shahat Torah Shalei He said his Torah is is very, very big. 
is very big, is very great, is exalted, is lofty. But in the places within his teachings where he brings tzirufe oisios, meaning to say when he makes a point by either highlighting a rashi tevis or a saifa tevis or showing how two disparate words can be brought together to, comp- to compose another word, who gadol biyoser. It's a much, much holier and more lofty and elevated part of his teaching when he makes use of those Tzirufi I actually have a Sefer on my shelf here that the whole Sefer compiles all the different places in the Kutumran where he uses Tzirufi Isis based on this teaching because that's the highest, highest part of his revelation is these places. Okay, so that's Sichas Ran Mem Dalid. Let's jump into Mem Hey, B'Siyat Short little teaching, Mamash, one line. Sichas Ran Mem Hey. Back to the concept of Lev Nishbar very quickly, like we discussed, and a little bit we even mentioned it in today's year as well. Lev Nishbar and Atzvos, even though they may seem the same, brokenheartedness and depression are two completely contrasting modes of consciousness, modes of being, completely, completely opposite. Even though they look the same, and you'd think that joy is on one hand and sadness on the other hand, no. There's nothing more opposite then these two things that look the same but are contrasting one another. Lev nishbar on the side of holiness, holy brokenheartedness, and atzvos black marashchora, depression, debilitating sadness and despair on the other side. And like we talked about at length in the previous shiurim that we're all in this vein, we spoke about how lev nishbar means to say that a person is broken, we gave the mushal from the Piyasetzner, that a person has a map with X marks the spot of where there's a treasure under the ground and he's having difficulty getting there, but he knows for sure that there's a treasure there and you will get there. The question is, okay, it's taking a little bit more time and we made a silly mistake and we cracked our shovel in half, we have to buy a new shovel, but the treasure is there and we're going to make it. Depression is a person that, I'm sorry, right? Atzvus is a person that lost his whole fortune. And there's not a glimmer of hope that he's, he's going to be able to amass that, that fortune again. And it's, it's the end. It's hopelessness. It's despair. And those two things are completely contrasting one another. One on the side of Kedusha, of holiness. One on the side of Sitra Achra, of the other side. The Rebbe Nachman said, Hashem hates depression. Hates it. Sometimes the Yitzhar convinces us it's a holy thing. That's what Hashem wants us to feel. He hates it. There's nothing more despised in Hashem's eyes than this mistaken notion that there's something holy about giving up, that there's something holy about giving in. Chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom. That's misa, that's death. It comes from the, from the other side. Life means there's hope. You can move on. You can take a next step. You can proceed. You can find a way to start again. That's kadosh. That's the side of kedusha. That's the side of chayim as opposed to the side of mabes. So Rabbi Nachman says, achar lev nishbar. And here's the proof. Here's the proof that it's so different than Atzvah's because Rabbi Nachman said, after a person has a true session of brokenheartedness and other places, Rabbi Nachman aligns this and says it's synonymous with the hour of Hispodidus, like we mentioned. You go out and you separate yourself and you allocate an hour, half hour, primarily, pre- preferably an hour, but sometime every day to be alone and to talk out what you're going through before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's, that should be a massive of Leib Nishbar. That should be a time where at least some portion of that should be the brokenheartedness of a very, very open, authentic honesty and sincerity, transparency. But there's nothing to hide. And we can just be really open about where we are and where we need to be. But when you come back from his spodido, says Rabbi Nachman, achalev nishbar, basimcha. Then a person is filled with a tremendous amount of joy. 
an eternal amount of joy, not a little bit of pleasure a person, eternal joy. And says Rabbi Nachman, this is the sign if a person actually did it right, if a person truly had a Leib Nishbar, when that Leib Nishbar is going to bring a person to what? Bring a person to Simcha. Why? Because there's nothing more, again, there's nothing more contrasting than Leib Nishbar on one side and Atzvos on the other side. Because literally, even though it looks the same, again, we could be mistaken, one is associated with complete hopelessness and one is associated with joy because achar leiv nishbar kam simcha let's take a look at two teachings from the tzaddikim one from the Baal Tanya one from the Kedusha Slevi so the Baal Tanya in Perik Chaf Vav a very famous Perik in Tanya and the tzaddik says like this this is not the whole chapter highly advised to look it up inside to learn the whole Tanya inside but let's at least learn this paragraph together what a privilege that we get to learn from all the tzaddik and make a big huge chalan it's such a schus you know what a privilege it's just delicious so he says Beram however says the Baal Tanya I want to reveal to you a very important rule if a person is trying to emerge victorious in a physical sense, for example, two people wrestling with one another, and the goal of this grapple is to try to knock the other down. And by the way, this just reminds me, actually, it's amazing how this whole thing connects, but it reminds me, as I was learning this whole sugi about the name and knowing our name and Apida Rizal, that we're asked if we remember our name, but that's the name of the challenge, the name of the Yitzhara, it's very fascinating that Yaakov Avinu grapples with the Sarshal Esav, and how does the whole thing end as the morning sun is rising? Tell me your name. No, you tell me your name. What's going on here? So I was thinking very deeply, if Yaakov Avinu is the patriarch of the Jewish nation, and he represents the Kedush of Am Yisrael, and the counterforce, Esav, is the root of all Yetzirah, Edom, and, and Amalek, is the root of everything negative, Memela, it's going to be a game of being able to identify his name. It's going to be very, very important to know his name, because that's what we're going to be asked when we get up there after 120. Did you, did you, it's not the question, did you win the battle, right? But did you perceive yourself to be in a battle worthwhile, worth your effort? Were you able to, uh, to attain clarity with regard to what the challenge is and what we need to overcome? So I thought that was a, an interesting thing to think about in the context of this, you know, uh, eternal struggle between Yaakov and Esau. Okay, so back over here. When we have wrestling, two people wrestling, to knock the other over. Says the Balatanya, if one of them is Ba'atzvus, and one of them is sad, and Ba'atzvus rather, is lazy, and is heavy, he's going to be very easily vanquished and knock to the ground, even if he's the physically stronger one. Super, super important because there's the element of physical strength, but then there's the element of an emotional power and energy. Everybody knows the famous rush of adrenaline, Rahman al-Tzlan, if a person is in a time of sakana and the mothers that are lifting whole cars off their babies. What is that? It's not a physical strength. But that means to say that there's an inner strength that manifests in that moment and that's reliant on how much faith we have that this thing is worth it. If the mother didn't think that there was any chance that her effort was going to help, then she wouldn't be able to do it. 
because she really can't do it. Because it completely and entirely relies on how much we believe that we have the capacity to do this. And so he says if a person is going, even if you have this tremendous sumo wrestler, but he's just, he doesn't believe in himself. And therefore he feels heavy and, and, and he feels, well, he feels heavy because he's a sumo wrestler. But internally he feels a little bit heavy and he feels a little bit lazy and he feels a little bit sad. The other person is going to be able to just knock him down. It's not a question because there's a gibar, there's a gvura that's believed, that doesn't manifest in physical brawn, but shows up deep inside. So the Balatanya says, and this is such an important klal, kacha mamish benitzachon hayetzer. This is perhaps the most important rule with regard to the Yetzahara and the long ball game that we're trying to play, you know, in this, in this eternal struggle and this wrestling match. E it is impossible to beat the Yetzirah if you're going to be lazy and you're going to be weighed down. Even if you think that's coming from a holy place and that this is what Hashem wants, that I should feel so sad and I should feel so down on myself. No, you're never going to make it. I'm never going to make it if I, if, if, if I don't have that ability to spring back in this way with, with simcha and shivron lev, but with hope. With koyvi Hashem yachlifu koyach. That when we hope, and we have hope, that's when we get strength. This laziness and heaviness that comes from sadness, depression, like a heart that's weighed down like a stone, it's never going to happen. The way to beat the Yitzhahara, even the moment after a person falls into the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. You want to win, right? You're still alive. There's still a purpose of you being in this world. You're still breathing. And there is a future. There is a next moment. There is a next day. There is next week. There's next year. There's a future ahead of you. And you talk a feel bad about what you've done. And we feel bad about the place that we're in. And we want to rectify that and correct that. The only way is if we're going to find some way of holding on to hope. Find some way to be bizrizas, to be besimcha. Zrizus comes from joy, and an openness of heart to purify our heart from any worry and sadness and depression. Believe, believe, believe that there's hope for you and that tshuva is ever possible no matter who you are, no matter what you did. Like I saw today in a sefer, that if a person believes, Kolzman, a person believes that he can do tshuva, he can do tshuva. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. One of the tzaddikim said, before the Avera, the Yitzhahara tries to make it, that the Avera is no big deal, that it's just a small thing, it's uh, whatever, it's just not a big deal at all, and who are you really hurting, and whatever it is, and it's not important, and he tries to downplay the chait. After the Avera, the Yitzhahara blows up the chait like infinitely and says, are you kidding? You just did the worst thing in the world. You're finished. Hashem doesn't want to hear from you. And the Tzaddik said, Mamish, we have to do the opposite. Before the Avera, it needs to be the worst thing in the world to us. Mamish yarg val yavar. After the Avera, we need to put it into perspective to say, okay, made a mistake. I can move on. I can grow from this. I can put further things in place based on the mistakes that I've made to make sure that I strategize so that I'm not going to fall into at least that same mistake again and so on and so forth to pick myself up see it as a growing a, a, a growing you know a process of growth and a stepping stone and keep on keep on moving and that's the only way that we're going to be able to emerge successful Omasha Kasuf 
Now, this is what we wanted to get to, even though that was very important. But a mashikasa bechal etzav yemoiser, or the Pasuk in Mishlei says, bechal etzav yemoiser, that in every depression, yemoiser, there's an advantage. Perish yeaze yisra no malamiza, that it appears that there's advantage from depression, hine adarab. He says, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. That atzvah's depression, sadness, brokenness in and of itself isn't the ideal. But there will be an advantage that will come from an experience of sadness, brokenheartedness. And over here he's, it's a little bit complicated, but over here the atzvah he's referring to is actually the brokenheartedness that Rabbi Nachman's talking about. And he says, what is that? What's the advantage? Is the true joy in Hashem. Right? That comes after true sadness. He calls it true sadness, but it's lev nishbar as opposed to a sadness of falsehood. Right? That not a person the whole day is in this state of just complete brokenness, but there are set times. It's measured. We said, Rabbi Nachman, an hour of Espoidados, time set aside specifically for this, and the rest of the day, move on forward. Keep on pushing. Keep on growing. Keep on dancing along the, uh, along the narrow bridge without any fear at all. And after that kind of atzvah comes a simcha mitis b'ashem alikav, and that's what we learned from Rabbi Nachman, that achar leiv nishbar bas simcha, it's the same thing. And that, he says, is the pshat and the pasik, b'chol etzev yiyamoyser. This is the advantage that comes from that holy kind of sadness, from that leiv nishbar that's filled, that's filled with hope, that leads to a tremendous simcha. Sh'al yedeze nishbar ruach atuma v'asitra achra. Through our leiv nishbar, we're able to also shatter the impurity and shatter the other side. And to shatter that iron wall and that iron curtain that prevents us from accessing a Kurdish Baruch Hu's light in our lives. Ruach Nishbara, right? Or Lev Nishbar, right? Ruach Nishbara is a Lev Nishbar. Um, what's the Pasuk that's not a Pasuk? What's the real Pasuk? Um, I'm forgetting right now, but I don't believe that's an actual Pasuk. But maybe that's the Zara Kaddish, that's his interpretation. Slipping my mind right now, but we have to look into that. The beginning of the Pasuk says, Let me hear joy and rejoicing. Because there's a direct correlation between a holy kind of Ruach Nishbara and a holy kind of Lev Nishbara, brokenheartedness. That's connected to joy, connected to simcha. So tashmi'eni sasem simcha when we feel ruach neshbara and alev neshbar. Right? The, the pasuk is zivche kim, I believe, ruach neshbara. I believe that's the pasuk. Okay, let's look at this at the, at the Kedusha Slevi, and then we'll take a look at the last teaching from Sichas Ran for tonight. Says the Heliger Redich verse Chusya Gnaleinu at the beginning of Likutim, which is a special, special portion. Some of the hot, the most beautiful, beautiful teachings in Kedusha Slevi come from that segment at the very, very end. It's just a collection of random, seemingly random teachings that were put together in this in this uh, section of the Sefer called Likutim. And over there he says, it's the end of a lengthy piece, he says it's known, that the way that the tzaddikim used to serve Hashem and would serve Hashem and do serve Hashem, they're going level to level to level to level, higher and higher and higher, I should say, the Dalit is mistaken, running, 
and returning. What does this mean? Running and returning. She'in in haratzai. What does this mean that they serve God when they're running? That's when they're serving God in such a way where they're completely nullified and they're just completely overwhelmed by the awareness of Hashem's presence in nature. Filling every particle of physicality, they perceive HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a reality in their lives and from their perspective, God is not hidden. But a Bechina Shaiv, they also have times of returning. They return to their own individuality. They're people also. They're also husbands. They're also fathers. They also need you know, to shop for, for milk and bread and, and go to the grocery and drop off the cleaners. They're people. And in that place when they're sinking back down into their individuality, they then recognize again on their lofty level, but they recognize their lowliness and they recognize how much more they have to fix and they recognize how thick and physical the body is, right? And these are two contrasting time periods. One period is complete bittal, is complete spiritual ecstasy where they're outside of their bodies and they're not focused on their own physical counterpart at all. They operate through, through their soul alone and they're able to perceive the soul of the world which is a Kaddish Baruch Hu. and then the time period that they return to themselves is a time period of Shivron Lev the Cholmash and Eshaba Liba Bekirba Biyoyser says the Redditor same idea the more that they attain a broken heart the Bechina Shoiv the aspect of returning Kain Tisrabe Vitiskadal Acherkach Bechina Saratze that much more so intense will be the ensuing period of Ratzai, will be the ensuing period of running, the ensuing period of complete spiritual ecstasy. For their heart to be filled with intense yearning and longing. To rise up to HaKadosh Baruch in the Bechina of Bittal, the Bechina's Bittal, Anig. And with that will come a tremendous Tainug, a tremendous pleasure. That comes down from the shining ray of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's life force that envelops him. Because it's known, this is a big, big, big rule from the Magad of Mizrich, brought from the, from, from the Baal Shem HaKadosh, that a constant pleasure is not pleasurable. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the world in such a way that human beings need to rise and fall, need to go through things. It's all to preserve the pleasure. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that dafka. He wants us to try our best, but there are going to be better days and worse days. That's just the way things go. There are different there are different Yemei Ava, Yemei Sina. There are, there are days of Aliyah and days of Yerida. And even by Tzaddikim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it that way. And here, the Berdichever is adding on an element to what we have learned from Rabbi Nachman and the Balatanya in that why is it that right after a true session of Leib Nijbar or what the Balatanya refers to as, as, as Etzev Amiti that we feel Simcha. Now we can understand it. Because what's the truest Simcha in the world? What's the Pasuk? Yismach Lev Mevak Hashem. The truest joy is not necessarily the joy of finding Hashem. The truest joy is the joy of searching for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of knowing that we're on the right track in life, that we're not getting distracted, that we're trying more and more every day. How can I learn more? How can I daven more? How can I a little bit more find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in my life? How can I live more with integrity and ethics and morality and midas and bein and bein adam and bein adam How can I be an elevated person? 
Yismach leiv mebakshesh, and that brings tremendous joy. So it's a simple cheshbin. In as much as in a time of leiv nishbar, we realize and reflect on how much more we need to grow, and how much more we have to fix, and how much more there is to accomplish. So Mamela, the next moment, when I jump out of that kind of deep introspection that is associated with brokenheartedness, and I can jump back into the period of Simcha, filled with the hope of knowing that I can do this, then the bikush of Mevakshe Hashem is increased because I'm aware of how much more I need to do, and how much more I can do, and how much more I will do. And that's Yismach Lev Mevakshe Hashem. And so the period, again, of Lev Nishbar helps us identify and become aware of just how much Bikush I need to be doing, right? That's what the time period of Lev Nishbar is. It increases in breadth and in depth what the definition of Bikush Hashem is, Klape, my own experience in this world in relation to what I need to fix. Then Memela, it's got to be filled with Simcha because right afterwards my yearning is increased, my longing is increased. I know how much more I have to grow. I know how much more I, I, I want to feel like Kaddish Baruch when I've reflected and how broken I feel when I'm not connected to Hashem and how alone I feel in this world existentially when I'm trying to focus on my own taiva and my own pleasure. How broken I feel, what, what kind of lowly existence that is. That increases the yearning and yearning, bikush for Hashem is associated with Simcha and that's the Chesh that the Bredichever is telling us on the level of the tzaddikim, but each of us can apply it in our own lives as well. This is what David Amela says in Tehillim, My portion fell in the pleasant places. You can also read it like a... Like a chavalim is like a, like a chabal, like an attack. This that we're feeling... Attacked. This that a person goes through difficulties, challenges, like we say a chaval, right? I don't know if it comes to the same word, but chavalim, when we go through difficulties and challenges, when a person goes through a period of self inflicted pain in a positive way, brokenheartedness, chavalim nafluli, when a person experiences chavalim, baniimim. That leads to the most incredible sweetness. That leads to the incredible, incredible, delicious pleasantness. After the chavalim nafluli, then a person can attain this element of bani'imim. Then a person is able to engage with and jump right back into this incredible bikush, this incredible journey toward longing for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, trying to better ourselves. There's no more joy than the joy a person feels on like, you know, you know that feeling when a person had a long phase or he was just out of it and then it's the beginning of a new month or it's, the, or it's a new yantiv or it's the beginning of a new week and you say, okay, I'm doing it and I'm making a schedule and I'm gonna stick to it. Okay, invariably we don't end up making it all the way, unfortunately, most of the time. But there's a tremendous joy in that. I'm back in it, right? And, and this, is the, this is the highest pleasure there is. Nobody wants to feel as if we're living you know, a, a bidiyevet life. Nobody wants to feel as if we're living disconnected from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, disconnected from our purpose, knowing that we're doing the wrong thing. No, nobody can handle that. Rabbi Nachman says that's the biggest Rachmanus. He says there's no greater burden for the Jewish soul than the burden of Averis. There's no greater burden than that. You know, they all say Jewish guilt, but it's, it's, it's really true. 
because our soul feels it. It hurts. It's painful. So therefore, if that's the greatest pain, then the greatest joy is the day one. You know, they say one day or day one. You can start from now. Mamish day one or by Breslov. It was not just starting again today. It was starting again a million times in a day. No matter what you go through, start fresh. Pick yourself back up. Reset. That there shouldn't be zikna de sitra achra. There shouldn't be old age in a negative sense. Be always fresh. Be always starting new. And that's a tremendous simcha. His heart will again be filled with yearning to rise up in a tremendous, tremendous bid, sense of yearning to rise up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ah, look at that. You're right. Okay, thank you so much, Chevra. A lot of the people sent in over here. Right, I wasn't sure there are a few psokim. Let me just see over here. Zivche elikim ruach nishbara. Okay, so I was right on the first half, but Lev Nishbar is in there as well. So he wants to say, the Baal Tanya says, Lev Nishbar Benitke, but this is connected to the previous Pasuk that says, Tashmi'ini Sasen V'Simcha, right? Tashmi'ini Sasen V'Simcha, because joy is connected with this idea of Etzav Amiti or brokenheartedness. Thank you, Chever, for that. Okay, so it doesn't look like we have time tonight to get into Sichas Ran Memhei. Be'ez Hashem will begin next week with that teaching. Um, but these are very, I mean, we learned a lot of very, very important things in this year. Sometimes we say too much and we can't focus, but it, it takes time to, again, reflect on what we learned. And the main thing is not just like an intellectual exercise, you know, to learn Sikha Saran, like an academic study. What are we taking out from here? What's the Eitza? What's the Chizuk from the Balatanya? To, to always remember that muscle of two people wrestling. Remember, we're, we want to do what a Kaddish Baruch wants from us, Right? Not what the inner voice tells us. We want to know what's the true truth. What's the emes or emes? What's the emes la mitoy? What does Hashem want from us? And all that tzaddikim scream in unison. Hashem never, ever wants a Jew to feel like there's no hope. Never wants a Jew to fall into an experience of atzvus, of brokenness that is going to prevent the person from moving forward. The Pasuk says, Ki lo Baruch doesn't want that a Russia should die and that we should daven for Rishayim to die. Hashem just wants tshuva. That's all He wants. Hashem wants that we should return to Him the moment that we believe we have strength to do so. Even if physically we're weak, if we believe we can do it, you can do it. If you have zrizos, if you believe that atzvus is, the, is mamish worse than whatever Avera you did that's causing you to feel atzvus, the atzvus, the depression is worse. It's a worse Avera than that. Then you're going to start getting depressed because you're depressed. Right, again, we're not talking about clinical depression, but this experience of this feeling that this is what I should feel, I deserve to feel this way, treif, puzzle treif, mamish. Mamish. And that the main thing we're supposed to feel is a lev nishbar, which is supposed to lead us to go ahead and to believe we can start again, start fresh, and be all the time filled with hope. Okay, Chaver, thank you so, so much for joining. I know I needed the chizek. I hope that you appreciated and enjoyed. Baruch Hashem, a big Chaver today. Thank you all for taking out your precious time to learn with me. Like I always say, we have special siyat ha in accordance with all the unique individuals that join. Hashem helps, you know, come down what needs to come down. So thank you so much for joining. And Bezer Hashem will continue the journey Thursday night with our Tush Parsha series. And next Tuesday, uh, next uh, Monday, where are we holding? Today's Tuesday or Monday? I think it's Monday. Um, I told you I'm still getting, <laughs> getting over my jet lag. Um, it's Monday today, right? <laughs> okay, so next Monday, <laughs> Bezer Hashem, we'll jump back into it. Thank you so much. Ashrenu. Mamish Ashrenu. What a privilege. Have the most wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.
Kaltiv Chaver. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining, Chaver. All the best.